say that if there is a law and order situation, there is going to be a fight between two communities or two sects, and if a temple festival or if a Muslim festival, whatever, is celebrated, there is going to be unrest, then the government can interfere in saying, whatever be your religious rights, we are stopping it. We are putting a 144. Uh, section will sing and we are not allowing this. Yes, they have a right and courts will uphold that. That's what I've said. Subject to public order, morality and health. Supposing somebody tomorrow says this is my uh, religious right to behave in a way that is not um, uh, seen as a, uh, that is seen something as immoral. This is my religion that have uh, this kind of a exposure, this kind of a free sex or whatever. Then government has the right to interfere. Then health, there is a cholera outbreak or there is an outbreak of some contagious uh, disease and uh, um, the temple festival is, which has been happening for hundreds of years, it has to be stopped because hundreds of thousands of people will gather in the place and that is not conducive for health, public health. Then yes, the collector can interfere and stop. Apart from that, your individual religious rights and your administrative rights are not to be tampered with unless and otherwise there is a warranting circumstance that is serious mismanagement. But there's the same thing there in case of cooperative societies, in case of banks, in case of uh, companies, corporate um, mismanagement. There, the intervention by the appropriate authority or the body, like RBA or the company law board or the cooperative register or whatever, they appoint a special officer or they appoint directors, replacing the existing directors. And that is for a, a limited period. And it's aimed at correcting the mismanagement. And once the mismanagement is corrected, they reconstitute the board and uh, they, they get away. But whereas, without there being any mismanagement, the government steps in and takes over. And not only they have a permanent office there, Kabbalishri Temple has an office, Shirangam Temple, if you go there, the office is so plush, it will um, give a five-star hotel reception some money, run for their money. And with the toilets and everything built inside the temple and all. So, um, how the permanent. How about Tirupati Temple? Is it taken over? Tirupati oh, Temple was long taken over. It belongs to two months, actually. It belongs to two months. And Andhra government is giving uh, some 5 lakh rupees to the Matadabadi every month now. And uh, those Matadabadis have decided uh, we will leave Parmal to the government. <laughs> so that's the difference. Anyway, we are talking about TN temples. And HRNC um, has a big. Um, department, a lot of uh, people, and we are, it's all being funded by the Hindus uh, putting money in, in the Hindis. Tell you, there's a mud temples. Which one? In the, the previous slide. Ah. Mud and uh, mud, mud temples are not required to give. Mud, mud, see, the, in the Shurur Mud judgment in 1954, the 7th judge judgment of the Supreme Court has said that every mud is a denomination, and when you have denomination, there is a section 107 in the HRMC Act of Tamil Nadu, which says, this act will not give any powers to any officials to act against a religious denomination. That means the entire act is not applicable to muts and uh, mud temples. But these matadibadis are the first to stand in queue and pay the 12% and 4% and all that. And uh, they because act they as they are aware or because they are not aware and they are paying? See, earlier muts were quite independent and they were different and they were showing us the way how to protect our religious rights and all that. Um, unfortunately, in the last 30-40 years, without exceptions, most of the muds is plagued by nepotism and wrongdoings. And they are not able to defend themselves 
with robust. So giving the same argument for takeover the temples also. Sorry? Temples have also taken over by same argument that our local society is not no, able no. to manage them. They will be corrupt. Uh, exactly, but muts have a special right and even under the act. No, no. Uh, no, no, no. Is the argument See. under which temples were taken over in 1804 by the British, saying that all these people are not doing their service, they are all these finance, they are all these monuments, they are all these money which has been given for temples. Uh, the collector said none of these people are doing any duty, they are all corrupt. These institutions are uh, places of devil worship. They are morally sort of bankrupt. They are not doing what the society was to do. And the temples were taken over in 1800, all the Tamil Nadu temples were taken over from then onwards. No, no, so this is the argument which, I mean, if we take this argument at face value, you have to accept government interference in every institution. I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. Uh, the 1817 and 1825 uh, regulation, Madras and Bengal Regulation Act took over the temples because there were a lot of infights between the trustees. And um, there no, was, there was, in yeah. 1875 in courts are all much later. 1863, 1842, the uh, British government ordered the uh, East India Company to get out of temples because two collectors. No, no, that, that taken over in 1800. Mm. Then in England, there was a big argument. Yes, England. that why this Christian state is to be playing all this because the commander in chief you said it, sir. had you said to it. run in, uh, oh. go in front of the. The, anyway, the, the, they, we, Lord, make, we make a different chariot. discussion. And so there was an argument that the government has become Vishnu's bed nuts. And so this cannot <laughs> be so. <laughs> and we cannot be part of devil worship. And therefore, we have to control these institutions because they are the most crucial institutions in Hindu society or Indian society. But we should not be seen as being uh, giving government legitimacy to it. Therefore, we have to come out of the temple. So this was the argument uh, in 1840s. But they were all taken over in 1800. You see, what was finished first? Yeah, all this money that you are talking now, there was 100 times more the money they were received. What Bajaj said, one minute, I just complete first. Just people may not know. That 1,200 villagers were giving about half a percent or one percent of their gross produce to Radharaja Swami Temple. And so they had a relation with the Radharaja Swami Temple. It was like a, a, the lord of the region. Now, what the collector place did was, he said, we will take it over. We will pay it from the government. We will pay it from the government revenue. And they first made a list of it. Then they said, but all this is not being used by the temple. Why should we give this much? So a smaller allowance called Tastik allowance was organized. So if you go to temples, this Tastik names, even today yes. it will be seen. So what 1,200 villages had a percent gross produce was converted to about 1,000 rupees or 2,000 rupees in 1870. And so this first process had already occurred completely. I mean, in various lands that were assigned to temples were taken over. But Hindu society being what it is, people continued to endow lands to temples. So quite some 50,000 acres were left over when India became independent, which is the which is the great uh, virtue of the independent Indian government to have sort of captured all of it in that. That's the, that. I mean, I think we should put the original scene where it uh, belongs. I mean, we cannot. Uh, yeah. The argument even was that these the local we cannot fully understand know. without the uh, historicity of this. But uh, uh, coming to um, uh, the present government. Even today there are Tasdik temples. Even today there are a lot of lands, enormous stretches of lands belonging to temples and to Hindu charities. This Hindu charity word is very important because the Tanjavur Chatram administration, 
has got 18,000 acres, which is now controlled by the collector of Tanjavur as government lands without there being any proper revenue for, for the 18,000 acres. If 18,000 acres is available to a Hindu Dharmic institution, charity organization, imagine the amount of charities we can do. This money is with the government. Is it 1-8 or 8-0? 8-0. 8-0. 18,000. 1-8. 18,000. 18, and it is the largest single uh, uh, trust in terms of ownership of land. The second is the Vedaranyam Temple, which has got 17,000 acres of land. The third is the Vadur Rajagopal Swami Temple, which has got 5,000 acres of land. The fourth is the Varaguna Pandishwara Temple in Chitanalwari district, which has got 4,500 acres of land. These are all on record, not in hand, not in possession, not in enjoyment. Yep, we are going to the next slide. Um, government management and control of temples is unconstitutional. We know it from 1950 when the constitution came, but we have not done anything really about it. They want to control only Hindu temples. There are Christian institutions which enormous properties which are being misused or which are being looted by the Christian administrators. Similarly with Vartanis, they don't want to have a look at it. Systematic loot of temples and the vote bank politics and the corruption in realizing the so, besides the loss of the immobile properties, now we have this murals, painting inscriptions, and our icons, statues being robbed and stolen and being sold in the, to the various museums because museums, a donation to a museum gets you 300 to 200 percent tax exemption in the US and some, of, in some other states. Uh, people take it from here, they get it valued by uh, uh, an expert. What is being sold here for some $50,000 becomes valued at $2 million there, and uh, they give a donation so buying it, and then they buy get- Buy an estimate of uh, a society called India Pride Project, and uh, a particularly person called S. Vijay Kumar, stays, works out of Singapore, full-time job, but has been, all the Nataraja and the Durga 10th century that have returned lately, are largely all because of that one man's work. He's been working with a lot of international organizations to break down the uh, art mafia. And so if uh, temple murti is established that it is stolen, will not be sold by Christie's or uh, Sotheby's or whatever. Yeah, there's an international law. That's now international law. Patur Narada judgment, which Dr. Nagaswamy and Dr. Subramanian Swami helped secure in 19... Uh, 80s when the government or Chakrasek government was there. Uh, anyway, that's a different story. But there is now an international law that even if a temple is in disuse, there is no worship. But since it is endowed as per Hindu Dharma and the Murti is established, Prana Pradishta has happened, there is a divine Murti and it is every right to come back to his place of origin. So, but so still. Estimated $10 billion worth by market of murtis which are in the illegal still some 4,000 icons and right uh, statues are languishing in uh, warehouse in New York because our and uh, in India uh, they have come back and languishing no, in no, customs many of them have not come back they are, the US government is paying demerits there because our scoundrel officers in the ASI are not willing to certify them uh, yeah. uh, as uh, the uh, real ones or originals or whatever again they have taken money and they are 
then all this. We'll talk about that in a different forum now. So uh, the properties and uh, the heritage is deliberately managed distancing. Now this is a, a 16th century uh, mantra. It looks a little sh um, you know, shoddy and all that because of the uh, painting and all that. But it's a valuable uh, historical history. This mandapam was stolen entirely, and this is the gap. And so and it finally landed up in somebody's uh, reception in uh, Switzerland. <laughs> we, yes, completely <laughs> taken up. Yeah? See, see, see the uh, small tower, temple tower behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it can be seen very clearly. Wow. This is Erode district. Okay. Now they had taken it completely, dismantled it, and sold it away because the locals who did not know the value were told we will build a new nice mandapam. This is looking, we will build a larger mandapam for you. The donors came forward with the connivance of the HRC officials, and uh, this was done. And uh, uh, what Temple Worship Society did is we gave an advertisement in the paper saying this is being stolen, we have filed the police thing, we have filed the reports before the collector, no action is taken. We came out with a quarter page advertisement, timing in such a way that the trustees of the locals were meeting for re-election at the time we came with that advertisement. This created a lot of uh, thing. But then what these trustees did is, they went to Pondicherry or somewhere, and they made similar pillars in cement, and then they brought it in the night and buried it in sand, saying, no, those pillars are not gone anywhere, they are here. <laughs> but those were, those were, they were made in, with cement. Easily. <laughs> anyway, this is the comparison which you are talking about. Religious institution, Hindu, Muslim, Christian. So first one is scope of the acts like PM, HRMC Act, or Andhra Pradesh Religious Endowments Act. What does it do? It brings all Hindu institutions, temple, mass and endowments under HRMC. Muslim only trust and endowments. Places of worships are not included. They are specifically exempted. Christians, there are no such acts. Because for them there is no worship, it's a, it's a place for no, meeting. No, no, it's because, because they were um, very powerful in the government. <laughs> they were today, today we follow their Saturday and Sunday as holidays. Yeah. There is nothing to do with Hindus or nothing to do with Muslims. For 5% or 10% of the uh, people who were there in 1947, we continue with the Sunday holiday. And second, executive officer is always appointed for our Hindu temples appointed by non-government work board for only those charities which have more than 5 lakh rupees income. No such appointments, no such acts. Status of executive officer is government servant. Non-government person is in the executive officer in work board. So, the, what are the powers? General superintendents and control of temples. Nothing can be done. You cannot fix the data of Balalayam, you cannot fix the data of Kumbhavishekam. You cannot do anything in Hindu temples without HRNC approving it. Or increasing their arms. Here, there's only work properties can be supervised. Christian, they are scot free. Now, what are the true properties of temples? It's not just for funding the rituals and the puja and all this. Worship and the provocation. What is provocation? Provocation of Hindu values. There is a mutt. There is a Kanchi mutt. The Kanchi mutt has to spread the uh, Siddhanta of uh, Adi Shankara. Mutts were established only for their purposes. If it is Dharmapuradinam, they should uh, spread, at least among their disciples, the concept of Saiva Siddhanta tenets. Similarly with um, Vaishnavite muds, 
Vedanta Ramanuja or Vedanta Desikar. But that is not happening at all. Today, the Mats are struggling to protect their properties. Forget realizing the uh, income from them. They are struggling to hold on to their properties. You know the amount of properties uh, in uh, agricultural land that uh, the Thiruvavadari Adhinam owns? 55,000 acres across Tamil Nadu. Except Salem district, I think they have properties in most of the uh, districts in Tamil Nadu. Dharmapura Adhinam has got 45,000 acres. Of which 12,000 acres belong to Vaidishwaran Temple alone. Tirupanandal, sir mentioned about saying that, uh, that mutt also has got thousands of acres. It's called Kashi mutt. I think they impeded themselves as a non Hindu denomination or something like that. No, no, not to save their. No, 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 no. They got a recognition as a denomination thing. It is only Ramakrishna mutt which they created as uh, not, not impeded. They say that we are not Hindus, we are Mandus. Anyway, um, so these mutts, they can do enormous charity, enormous uh, um, uh, educational service and health services with their properties. But they're not able to do because they are constrained by uh, today's uh, tenancy acts and uh, the government uh, non-cooperation and unwillingness to realize, help them realize the two. So 10,000 crores versus 64 crores is the, um, in the last life. True income, but a fair income would fetch 6,000, 5,000, 6,000 crores. I'm going to show you this is the last thing. And uh, what what can the true income of temple properties do? It can revive Vedas, Agamas, Sastras, and Sanskrit. This has to be done. Without Sanatana Dharma, is nothing without these. Then you have pujaris and staff. Staff doesn't mean that uh, this people who clean the temple. Alone. There are musicians. Every uh, major temple or medium-sized temple, they had dharmic institutions associated with them. Veda Parasalas, Agam Parasalas, regular Parasalas, Goshalas. They had so many dharmic uh, institutions associated with them. Deva, yes, yes. I am going to come to that in a different paper. Um, we, we have 275 Tevara Stalams and 108 Dividesams. Of the 108 Dividesams, a few are not in Tamil Nadu. Some is Vaikuntam, which if, if ordained by the Lord, we can go there and hope not to come back. But I did do on Tamil Nadu. So these places are places where miracles happen, where wonderful things happen, where our Hindu values and ethos. You know, we had bursts of them, we had the perennial sources of them. We are not propagating anything about them, we are not talking about it. We just go to temple, we break a coconut, we come back. That's it. That's not the way Hindu worship is. Propagation of Hindu value is centered in Hindu temple. Because every one of our Acharya visited temples and sang in praise of the Lord. On the tenets they preached us, on the values they preached us. There's nothing without associating them with the temples they visited. So, this is uh, my presentation on the uh, temple properties. I'll show you one document. <coughs> 